Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Danny Lazel, and I'll be your co-host for season three. This week's guest is Damien Corbett. Damien is the author of the book, The Social CEO, and he's going to be talking to us today about techniques and strategies for using social media to make you a stronger leader. I started off this week by asking Damien why CEOs should be getting social. Yeah, I think the reasons for, there's, there's quite a few reasons for CEOs to need to get on, onto social media these days. And um, I think the main reason is because we live in a social media age. It's all around us. And what's happened over the last sort of, 15 to 18 months during lockdowns and remote working is a lot of CEOs and a lot of organizations have realized that social media has, it, it, it is a great way to actually engage with, with people, whether it's internal workforces or whether it's uh, customers or supporters, if you're a charity, there's, there's a lot of benefits from, from using social media. And I think a lot of CEOs have kind of cottoned on to that now. Um, but it's also in, in terms of, uh, you know, social media is such a, it's so prevalent now. As I said, we're kind of in the social age. It's so prevalent. So it's a fantastic way for CEOs to, should they want to, some might not want to, but to, you know, to, to kind of become more visible as leaders and perhaps to be seen as uh, kind of the, the kind of the, the um, figureheads of their organizations to become thought leaders. There's a lot of different ways that, and reasons why, why leaders should be doing this sort of thing. Um, attracting talent is another one. You know, I, I know a lot of organizations these days, there's a lot of debate about um, working, working conditions and styles. And should they be working from home? Should they be working remotely? And having a leader who's actually talking about this stuff and, and being um, very open and, and discussing these things perhaps even on LinkedIn or something or on other channels, I think for for potential employees to see an employer who's who's very open about things and, and, and is talking about what they think should happen and perhaps talking about other, other things about um, their organization and promoting the organization. I think a lot of uh, potential employees would want to work for a leader who's who's more active on social, who's not kind of locked away in the kind of proverbial corner office. I think there's a lot of benefits there for, I mean, I've kind of just touched on a few of them there, but it's basically because we live in a social age and it's sort of become expected almost mm. for a lot of leaders to actually be, at least have a bit more of a presence than, than many do. Um, so I, I think that kind of, yeah, it's just it's just become a lot more expected these days. Yeah, we had a, a guest on earlier on in the series who talked about how important it is for attracting talent or attracting the best talent because the best talent's got sort of pick of the pick of the bunch. If they, if your CEO has got a really good presence on, let's say LinkedIn for this matter, people are going to discover you who are looking for new jobs, start of their career. Um, and it is a really smart and clever way, which doesn't involve that many resources for, for CEOs to, to get the best talent in the door. Would you, would you agree with that? No, absolutely. And I think even though it's becoming a bit more common, it's still, it's still a minority of CEOs who are, you know, quite active on social. Most of them might have LinkedIn profiles, but the ones who are actually active and producing copy and being kind of vocal and, and sharing their ideas on social are still the minority. So they will stand out. 
as potential employers. And certainly, um, I mean, I, I know a lot of CEOs who one of the reasons why they do it is attracting talent. And there's another CEO. He, he's the CEO of an organization called Banfield Pet Hospital, which is actually a chain of, of veterinary surgeries across the US. It's the thing it's the biggest chain of veterinary hospitals in America. And the CEO, a guy called Brian Garish, he uses social media to engage internally more than externally with customers and potential customers. So he engages with who he calls them his, um, he doesn't call them employees, he calls them associates, I think. And he's very active on Instagram. So he's always posting videos, he's always commenting on employees' videos, he's encouraging employees to use Instagram because most of them are young, straight from university, veterinary graduates. They live on Instagram, a lot of them. So, you know, he uses the platform where they are and it's great, you know, he's built up a great kind of culture in the organization where people feel free to express themselves. They share videos with pets, they do like um, TikTok style videos and he encourages it, he wants them to do it. Because of course, you know, from, a, from the other side of it, it's also great branding. Because if someone's looking at this organization, they think, where can I take my animals to go to? And they see these happy, sort of cheerful people on social media with these animals looking all happy and smiling. It's good all around, really. So um, there's obviously a reason for him doing it, but it's, it's just great to see someone like that who's so forward-thinking and social that he embraces it totally. He's active on there. He shares pictures with his cats and all this sort of thing. So it's really nice to see leaders doing that. Any picture we can get an animal involved usually, <laughs> Definitely. usually tends to do quite well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so... That's obviously a good example of someone doing it right. Why do you think senior leaderships are often the slowest or senior leaders are often the slowest to adopt the opportunities that are being presented by social media? Is it a lack of knowledge or is it um, are people too cautious? I think it's a combination of things, actually. It, it's also sometimes a generational thing, though that's a bit of a, you know, there are a lot of sort of older CEOs uh, who are really great at social media and, and a lot of young ones who, who aren't. But generally, it seems to be a generational thing. Younger leaders are much more kind of comfortable with it. But I think there is a lack of understanding, as you sort of mentioned, about what social media is and isn't. You still, I don't really hear it much now, but I remember five or six years ago, you'd hear people saying, well, you know, that's what my kids do. You know, why would I want to share pictures of my, 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 my dinner on social? Because that's what they thought it was about. You know, and that's changing now a lot. But there is still this sort of legacy thinking that social media is a kind of, it's a bit of a waste of time. It's, um, you might hear my cat meowing in the distance. So <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's frivolous, all this sort of thing. And, and I think, and there's also allied to that, there's a kind of element of fear as well. I think some of them, because they don't understand it, they don't want to admit that they don't understand it because they don't want to look out of touch. But they also, because they don't understand it, they don't really know what to do. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They're not quite sure who to go to for help because they don't want to admit that they don't know what to do. So it's a bit of a kind of, there's a whole lot of things mixed in together there, I think, that, that prevent them from doing it. And I think that once they kind of know that social media is actually a really useful tool, it's a powerful tool, it's a powerful leadership tool, once they get that, it's like the light bulb goes on. It's the classic light bulb moment. And then, you know, if, if I'm just thinking about the book and the CEOs who wrote chapters in my book, none of them would go back to not using social media now. They're all absolutely, you know, I wouldn't use the word addicted, but they, they absolutely see its value and they couldn't live without it. And these are busy CEOs who, you know, they have a lot of other things to do. But for them, it adds it gives them so much um, additional kind of leverage and information and so many things that they wouldn't get if they weren't using it. 
Okay, so I was, I was going to ask you this a bit later on, but you see, seeing as though you mentioned it. Um, so if I'm a social media marketing manager or there's a social media marketing manager listening and they're really keen to get the senior leaders involved, what should they be doing? How can they start going about developing a social media strategy that's going to involve the sort of senior leaders? I think, yeah, it's it, it's often quite difficult for sort of marketing teams to convince the you know leaders that they need to to do it. But I think what they need to do is they need to put some evidence in front of them, even if it's just uh, if they can find some reports or articles about the importance of social leadership. So there's a couple of reports that I always refer to. There's one, it's called the Edelman Trust Barometer, which comes out every January in the UK. And it's about, it's by the Edelman PR agency. And it, it talks about trust in all sorts of different ways. It talks about governments, uh, organizations, but it also talks about CEOs. And one of the things is that they interview thousands of people globally. And one of the things that comes up again and again is that employees and the public, I think this year it was something like 86% of employees expected their leaders to actually be vocal about societal issues on social media. You know, so when, when your employees expect you to do it and when the public expects you to do it, you know, why aren't you doing it? And there's another one. It's called the Connected Leadership Report by the Brunswick Group. And that's really, really good because they, they look at different countries and different um, regions and what platforms are popular. And even in places like, uh, I think, Germany, where social media was a little bit slower on the take-up in the kind of leadership sphere, something like 50 or 60% of people expect CEOs to be on social media. If you go to somewhere like India, it's like 95%. In the UK, it's about 75, something like that. I mean, don't quote me exactly. I haven't got it in front of me. But, the, you know, the, these are like significant figures yeah. that of people expecting leaders to be on there. So I think the question is, if they're not sure whether to do it, they should be question, asking themselves, why aren't I doing it rather than, you know, saying, why should I be doing it? If that makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if, if they look at these reports and if they look at articles by, by other CEOs, you know, I mean, even, so, you know, some of the examples in my book, um, if they look at what other CEOs are saying who are using social, they are absolutely, you know, convinced and convincing that it's the right thing to do. So, you know, if the marketing team can put in front of them, you know, examples of other, of peers, perhaps, other leaders in their sector and say, look, they're doing it and look what they, you know, and, and then, you know, so it's a combination of things, but it's definitely something that um, I think marketing teams, if they can, if they can leverage all that kind of uh, those examples and put it in front of the, the, um, their leaders, then um, they should be able to convince them. It depends on the organization. Of course, some leaders are just quite, they might just be stubborn and just old school and they don't want to change. So, you know, you can't force someone to do it. But I think all you can do is give them all the evidence and say, look, this is really, you know, why it would help you. And then and then provide the help, the steps to get them going, yeah. to show them how to get started, have, you know, what's your voice going to be? What's your tactic? Is it going to be attracting talent? Is it going to be thought leadership? Is it going to be, um, you know, it could be one of many things. What's What's your tack? you know what's your direction and then you know get training in for the leaders to actually learn how to how to do it because some of them don't actually know how to do it they don't know what to say and that's where the where the marketing and pr teams can help a lot because they can perhaps draft copy mm. i'm not one for um people doing the social media for ceos but obviously 
you know, they're not going to do it all themselves. So if they can get the right kind of content and they can be briefed and they can put the kind of stuff in front of the CEOs that they can then share that on LinkedIn and they can put their own take on it, um, then it's sort of taking a lot of the work out. But it's it's still them. It's, it's under their name. And um, I think that's, you know, and once they start doing it and they start seeing the responses, it's kind of quite funny because you see them going, you know, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, it is, you know, it, it, it's an ego thing. You know, we all get a kind of buzz when you get likes and things. It's that kind of, you know. It's a dopamine hit, isn't it? The, the dopamine <laughs> hit, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess younger generations probably forget quite often that perhaps the CEOs who've never, haven't been brought up in the sort of, tech world or the tech era and the social age that they wouldn't necessarily just know automatically how to use it so if anything you can do to simplify the process and teach them and be the sort of empathetic towards them is going to help them yeah a long way in in, in getting them involved it's the same with anything marketing wise absolutely you can't prove if you can't show someone how easy it is and be appreciative of of their skill set then you're not going to get a great response from them no, because, I mean, these are not stupid people. They're obviously intelligent, talented people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be leading the organizations. But it is still quite funny when you find that there's that kind of fear of the unknown. Um, and I think if marketing teams can help them get over that and, and kind of handhold them through that phase and show them how to get started and, and, and how to do it, how to post a tweet, you know, it can be as sometimes they don't know what to do. It's, mm. it's ridiculous sometimes. And if they can do that without making them feel silly and without making them feel that they are, you know, old fuddy duddies or something, encourage them and be encouraging every step of the way, then it's, it's, you know, that's, that's definitely the right approach. Yeah. And the main benefits obviously of the social CEO is that they'll have sort of put together a pretty huge network probably over their careers, people to reach and they'll have earned the respect of their peers because, they've risen to that position. So anything they do say is going to be listened to by the audience. And of course. Absolutely. And if they, yeah, people will listen to them. And once they go on LinkedIn, they might not have many followers. Once they start posting um, stuff and people will start to notice. And of course, then that's when the, you know, your kind of marketing teams and people can help them, show them how to tag people or use a couple of hashtags and, you know, link into other things. And then, you know, suddenly the, They'll start to get noticed by by their their peers who might not be connected with them on LinkedIn, but they know of them. And then suddenly they you know they'll get more followers, they'll get more influence, and suddenly what they say is amplified. And and what and that's what they're doing. You know what 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 CEOs are doing is I, I like to think of it as they they like a, a sort of megaphone for the organisation. You know you've got marketing and PR teams, you've got all of those which are great, but the the sort of company or organizational kind of news is different from an individual so if you've got the ceo or it could be somebody else you know it could also be like marketing directors if, if you've got these people actually active it's a much more of a personal thing you've got this personal connection with the organization it's coming from a person not from the brand and that also makes a difference and um you know it, it can supplement the what the marketing team is doing there's actually a great article i came across um in, on Forbes, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Forbes, but it, it was um, called 15 Ways CEOs Can Effectively Support Their Marketing Teams. So this is CEOs supporting the marketing team. So once they get going, they can actually, mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're then adding to what the marketing team is doing by, by being this kind of brand leader and being this vocal leader. They're actually enhancing the marketing work that, that's already going on. So it's a kind of, you know, virtuous circle in you know, helping each other in the end. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And if anyone wants to read that article, we'll uh, we'll share the link in the in the podcast notes. And um, I wanted to just pick up on one point you mentioned slightly earlier about uh, social issues in the report. I think you said eighty five percent of uh, people expected CEOs to have a position on on social issues. Yeah, it's around about 85 percent. So it might even be slightly higher actually. But if you're if you are advising a CEO to to take a stance on certain things, is that not a dangerous strategy for them, or is it too dangerous not to to be avoiding them? It's a dangerous strategy if it's done for the wrong reasons. So I'm thinking back to sort of when George Floyd was killed in America and the big outcry and the Black Lives Matter movement, which of course has always never gone away, but there was this massive resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of leaders were kind of caught on the hop. Some of them were saying, well, hang on, the, he, he or she from that organization has posted something on LinkedIn, so we should. And they're kind of bandwagon jumping. That's when it can be dangerous. So that's also another reason why I think it's important for, for leaders to to have a stand. It doesn't have to be anything extreme. But to have a stand on equality, or you know, um, you know, to be against racism. I mean, who isn't against racism? You know, who isn't against inequality? To 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 have a stance on that, and then when these things happen, and then you speak up about it, it's not as if it's coming out of the blue. So there's another CEO who I'd like to 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 mention. He's a guy called Jack Salswoodell, um, and he's the CEO. I think he's going to be retiring soon, but he's the CEO of American American Family Insurance in the States, which is a, a, a huge insurance company in, in America. And Jack has always been, I interviewed him for my blog about four years ago, and he's always been very active on social media. You know, he's like the kind of stereotypical um, middle-aged white guy, kind of balding, you know, running an organization. But he's so forward-thinking and open and you know he he's um, he he's he's always talked about uh, equality, LGBT issues in his organisation, and when when the George Floyd um, thing happened, you know he was sharing his outrage, you know, and this is the CEO of an insurance company, so you know the chances are he's going to alienate some people who perhaps don't think like that. But I think his approach is look. In 2020, 2021, if you don't think like that, you're the minority. You're going to be a smaller minority all the time, and perhaps we don't need your business, you know. Uh, and he even made there was that that mural that was painted um, with George Floyd and uh, in, with lots of flowers. He made that his his LinkedIn banner photo, you know. That's you know, and this is really kind of you know nailing your colours to the mast. It's not sort mm -hmm. of it's not sort of gesture politics or gesture kind of. Um, it's not a PR thing for him, you know. He was. You know, because that's what he stands for. So I guess what I'm trying to say is he stood for all those issues going back years. He's always spoken out about these things. So he wasn't jumping on the bandwagon. And you see, that's when a leader can be seen as somebody who's actually, you know, it, it left a great feeling with his employees and no doubt with, with the customers as well. That like this guy's speaking out about something that he doesn't have to, you know, he's probably been privileged all his life. You know, he's a rich white guy in America. He doesn't need to talk about these things, but he cares about it. And I think it's such a powerful message. So, yeah, I mean, you know, whether it's climate, whether it's racism, whether it's you know, sexism, there's so many issues that are some that might be seen as controversial. I don't know. But I think not standing for anything is 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 a kind of a bit pathetic these days. So I think standing for something at least is we all stand for something. Um so I, I think you just have to be a little bit, you know, wary about suddenly saying, I stand for this. You need to kind of slowly put your kind of your yourself out there and let people know that this is what you stand for. Um, and then just, you know, be a little bit more outspoken if, if you need to be. 
test the waters, see the response, that sort of thing as well. So that was a bit of a long-winded answer, but I hope it kind of got across what I was trying to, yeah, you know. I, I think it just all goes back to being genuine, I guess. And it's having... about being genuine, absolutely. And sometimes it's not easy, you know, it, it, it is difficult. Um, you know, what if somebody is a genuine racist, you know? What do we say to them? Should you be genuine? I mean, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, of course, I would say no, but I mean, you know, but the thing is, most people are not going to be like that. And um, they would they would probably get the ire of most of the public. So, you know, they're not going to do that. So I think just being a genuinely nice person and caring about the world around you and caring about other people, that's not such a bad thing to be, really, no, <laughs> as a CEO or anybody else, really. So, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, Damien, let's talk about the book. So, the book, The Social CEO, what was the inspiration? Uh, how did you go about putting it together? Well, I was, you know, it it's kind of goes back quite a long way now. I mean, I used to work in an in-house PR comms department for a B2B organization, actually quite similar to, you know, to, um, you know, to your organization. And I used to deal with the kind of marketing directors and sales directors and, and um, uh managing directors and presidents of the, of the organizations. And then when social media came along, I thought, this is a great thing, you know. So I was invited onto one of the um, executive training sessions one day, and I, I spoke about social media, and there's a lot of interest in it. And I thought, well, look, if these sort of marketing directors and manufacturing directors and IT directors of these medium-sized manufacturing firms think there's something in social media, there must be. So that kind of got me thinking about, you know, social media for leaders. I started blogging. I started interviewing CEOs for my blog. And then I thought, there's a book in this, definitely. And then I thought, I don't have the time or resources to actually write a whole book myself because I was working full time. So I thought, what's the next best thing that I can do is actually get some of the CEOs who I've interviewed and others, ask them if they would want to each write chapters in the book about being a leader, a CEO in their sector, why they did it, why they started, the benefits, and then also get other people who are perhaps experts in things like um, attracting talent or PR or um, personal branding to also write chapters about how leaders can, can use those things as part of their kind of social media approach. So that's really how it happened. And it took a, quite a while to get a publishing deal, but luckily Bloomsbury said yes. And... Um, and uh, the paperback came out a few months ago, so which is really good. So um, no, I'm really pleased, you know, and it's it's getting great feedback. Um, but the whole point of it was to not to be a, a why to not not to be a how to book. There's lots of those out there, and I can I can recommend a couple later if you want. But it's more of a why to book. So by having kind of from the horse's mouth from other CEOs why they're doing it, I thought that would that's a powerful message, a powerful tool for other CEOs who might be sitting on the fence to you know kind of see what their peers are doing and maybe that would help to convince them to you know to, to do it yeah it's a, it's a great book so i've finished it recently it was recommended to me by a colleague at azo and uh, yeah really really enjoyable and there's lots of really interesting stories from people from all sorts of different industries which was what makes it um which what i think makes it more interesting thank you a couple of those chapters that the audience will be probably more interested in are the, the one about manufacturing and healthcare. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about those stories and the companies they work for, what they did, et cetera? Yeah. Well, um, for, for manufacturing, I, um, I managed to get a couple of people to write chapters. So one of them is a guy called Chris Mason. So he, he, he runs, um, he runs a membership organization as opposed to a manufacturing organization, but he's, he, he runs the association of motor vehicle manufacturers. Um, and I'll, I'll just, uh, I thought I'll just read um, 
a little just a couple of sentences from the book from his chapter yeah, which i think kind of sums up maybe why you know what what why you know from a manufacturing point of view he 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 decided to embrace social media um so he says for me twitter in particular because he's talking about why he embraced the different social networks it soon became a fundamental part of my life and continues to be the place i go to first thing every day to catch up it's something I revisit throughout the day to keep up to speed with international news, industry developments, colleagues and professional friends activities, and of course, to deliver important messages of my own. So, you know, I think that's, that's, that shows that social media is not just about broadcasting. It's about actually tapping into a kind of network that, you know, there's no other thing in the world that's so you know that that's social media is amazing in the sense that you can tap into anything so you know every expert just about who you know people is is going to be on social media is going to be on twitter so you know if if you are running it uh, if you're running a manufacturing organization um you can find people you can find the kind of industry experts or the thought leaders in that sphere and you can follow them and you can see what they're saying and you can ask them questions and this is amazing this is kind of you know revolutionary if you think about it because before it was much harder to do that and you can now tap into i like to think of it as like the global brain you can tap into the global brain and you know whether you're somebody working for a consumer brand or a business to business manufacturer you might be making i don't know you might be making water treatment systems for you know a water plant you, you know you could be doing anything but you can tap into people you can find a network you can discuss you can share ideas you can actually throw ideas around and, and come up with with new new ideas as well um and from the medical point of view one of the ceos who wrote a chapter um is called julia hanigsberg and she runs the holland blue holland blue view kids rehabilitation kids rehab i can't speak kids rehabilitation hospital in toronto in canada and you know she again what she one of the things she uses social media for is uh to to connect with clinicians and researchers who are working in the area of kind of child medicine uh, pediatrics she can she can have conversations with them in real time and she can find out what reports are coming out because one of the great things about social media for example twitter for example is you can build lists you can build twitter lists so you have your account and then you can add people to a list you don't even need to follow them but you can create a list for example if it's julia running the hospital she could have pediatric uh, scientists or whatever you know um pediatric doctors and you can and add all these people to the list and you can literally just go in and have a look at what they're saying in real time and if, if one of them's produced in your report you'll know straight away that they've done that before waiting to see it in one of the journals you'll know straight away so it's just all sorts of little things like that so whether you're in healthcare in manufacturing or in any other sector it's um it's that immediacy of tapping into that network that you can get on social media that you can't really get anywhere else apart from perhaps being at a conference but then you're limited to the people in the room with social you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world as long as they are on a network and you mm. can find them and there's less traveling involved as well <laughs> less traveling and finding them and being in, and being found is obviously you need to actually be active to then be found as well so that's another reason to actually get on there and be active because you will then get noticed so if someone's listening and and they they have a plan in place to get the ceo involved with social or maybe their ceo already is mm. how does that fit in with the the organization's sort of social media strategy overall is it completely separate should it be coordinated with with marketing 
it's a it's a tricky question that one um and i never quite know how to answer it properly because in some ways it is part of the organization's overall sort of comms or marketing strategy but because it's the individual individual doing it and it's under their name it's their personal accounts normally it, it's it's a combination of course they are representing the organization but I think we have to be a little bit careful of it being too stage managed and being too uh, too tied in with what the organization's doing. I think there needs to be a bit of leeway so the leader can perhaps go off on a tangent if they want to and share other things. So it's great if the marketing team can give content ideas and perhaps come up with a calendar of content to share some ideas. But for example, Jack Salzbedell, who, who runs American Family Insurance, he has a team who helps him with that, but he will also post stuff. He might be having a family barbecue and he might post a photo. I'm not suggesting that any, everybody would want to do that, but he feels comfortable doing that. You know, he'll do that or he'll share a picture of him and his dog. And he's also, he's actually a Tottenham Hotspur fan. I don't know how. He's, he's American, you know, but a lot of Americans support football. So he will talk about football and soccer, you know, and we've actually had, because I'm an Everton fan for my sins. I'm not from Liverpool. It's just uh, I, I grew up in Zimbabwe, and Liverpool was popular, so I supported the other team. You know, so we sometimes have a bit of banter on on on, on Twitter. You know, so that's me bantering with the CEO of an organisation of like fifty or sixty thousand employees about the about the match that day. You know, how else can you do that? You know, by you know, he trusts me that he can talk to me, and and you know, he's um, uh, and he he feels comfortable enough to talk about these things. It's not work related at all, but it. You know, it's putting the personal side across to him. And I don't think the marketing team could really plan or legislate for that exactly. So I, I think it, they, there could be some guidelines perhaps to say, okay, what personal things do you want to talk about? Do you feel comfortable talking about none or these things or one thing or a couple of things, you know, and then perhaps agree to kind of just mix it up a bit and have some sort of, you know, um, but Again, I kind of I, I tend to give slightly rambling answers. This is the way I, this is the way I operate. But I hope I've kind of I've, I have answered the question there by by sort of saying yes, you're going to need to get the marketing involved, but not too much, yeah. and give this give the leaders a bit of leeway to kind of be themselves. Exactly. So I think basically what you're saying is a certain percentage of what the CEO puts out can be work related. It doesn't have to be the oh this is our latest product or anything like that, but something around what they're the company's customers care about, yeah. then the rest of what they put about can be what that CEO cares about. And that's how you build the personal brand, isn't it? By getting your personality yeah. out into the open. And yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Mason, who who is the CEO of the, of the motor manufacturing organization, not surprisingly, he's into cars. So he will share stuff on, on Twitter or um, on, 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 on um, Instagram as well. Sometimes, you know, he'll, he'll share pictures of like classic cars or sports cars that he's seen somewhere. You might be going, it's, Oh, look at this car. Just, you know, it's a, you know, he's a bit of a car geek. So he'll just like share something. He came across this Lamborghini. He'll take a picture of it and he'll just like post something on Twitter about it. So, um, but he also will share the kind of the thought leadership stuff, you know, as the leader of that organization of that society, that, that association, he will be the one talking about, what he thinks matters, you know, what's coming and what what things are coming around the, you know, what's on the horizon, what what uh, members of the organisation should be doing, what they should be thinking about, as well, you know. So he he ha he has to do that as well. But again, social media is a great way of doing that because it kind of bypasses the kind of official channels and the press releases and the the official posts. It's something that you don't quite know who's going to see it, 
but because he's got this network that he's built up, he knows that the people who matter will see it. Um, and he can, he can become an influencer. I don't, not in the kind of the kind of Instagram, TikTok influencer way, but in the kind of serious influencer as a leader in, you know, as a, somebody who his peers will look up to. Yeah. I think when we're talking about influencers, people often just assume, especially in B2B, they think, well, uh, Kim Kardashian, 1 billion yeah. followers or whatever she's got. I'm never going to be able to have that. But that's not what we mean when we're Absolutely talking about influencers, is it? It's about being able to influence, could be a very small group of people, but those that group of people could be very influential to your to your organization. Well, that's one of the things. I mean, it's a bit of a, a slight tangent here, but um, I think one of the things that a lot of organizations don't think about is the sales teams and how they can utilize social media. Um, and you've probably come across the term social selling, where uh, the, the sort of salespeople um, use something like LinkedIn, but it's called social selling, but it's not actually selling. What they're doing is they're selling themselves as trusted arbiters of, of information. So they share updates, reports that might be coming out, their thoughts on the industry. And of course, then people will look at them and say, this isn't just a salesperson, this is somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, who knows the industry inside out. So when when it comes to the sale, and especially in B2B, the kind of these things could take a long time, they become kind of trusted uh, partners rather than just somebody who's coming there and saying, you know, I've got this, it's 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 cheaper than the competitors because of that. They've actually got a lot more to 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 you know behind them as a as a as a person who's representing the organization and who's selling something. Um so I think that's an important, you know, aspect of social that sometimes is overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you if you got the sort of head of sales, your CEO, head of marketing, I don't know, maybe a few other key stakeholders involved in this sort of strategy, all of a sudden that's some very influential voices that will have built up reputations in your market that you're working. Absolutely. And people are going to listen to that and that's going to project your messaging to to probably thousands and thousands of potential people who have potential to do business with you in the future. Yes, because each of those people will have slightly different networks. There'll be a lot of crossover, but they'll each have slightly different networks. And if what's being said and what's going out, it won't be identical, but they'll be they'll be basically sending out a, a, a message that's you know that, that, that there will be a kind of core message that they all are are saying, and it'll all be in slightly different formats and slightly different ways. But what it does is it reinforces the the overall message of that brand of the organisation, and it, again, it's 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 going to help the marketing and sales teams as well, um, because it's it's you've kind of got it at all these different levels. The message is getting out, and people are being noticed and heard, and um, it's a very powerful um, sort of. Um, I can't remember the word now. It's kind of um, reassurance tool. It's sort of, that's not the right word, but you know, it it's reinforces the organisation. Yeah. Um, kind of. Uh, I can't remember the word now. What they stand for and the... what they stand for, the brand, what their their essence, basically. Yeah. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I bet if uh, it wouldn't take long to take five people in an organisation add up their networks and you'd realize there's quite a big audience there that we're not potentially tapping into. Yeah. And, but when they share things, people often reshare and comment and, and share with other people. So there is that sort of amplification effect that you might not even be aware of. And just because somebody doesn't like or, or, or share something that you've done, it doesn't mean that it's not been seen yeah. and it hasn't been taken in. You know, I always hear stories about people who might come back to an organization after two or three years because they've seen what's being done. They might not have commented on it. They've kind of been lurking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still the message is getting out. 
Yeah, it's been recorded to the subconscious memory at some point, hasn't it? And it absolutely. And if they keep doing it, that's the thing. It shouldn't just be a one-off. If it keeps keep doing it, it just reinforces the message all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what we've spoken about so far has been sort of um, external communications. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about internal comps. How can CEOs use social to, I'm thinking mainly for CEOs of companies that perhaps been growing rapidly, so all of a sudden they don't know everyone in their organization or of multinational companies where it's not possible to know everyone in the organization. How can you use social in that sense to to still have a presence and feel like you're the team are part of something bigger? Yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, if you think of like, if, if looking at a big multinational, a lot of them will have internal social networks anyway. So obviously, those are things that can be tapped into. They are, it depends on the organization. Some are better than others. I think there's always been a little bit of resistance of take up of these big kind of internal networks. Um, but that's obviously something to, to consider. Uh, to have like a regular you know, regular posts or updates once a week, you know, internally. But I think the fact that social media is, you know, if, if I go back to Brian Garish, the CEO of the um, of, of of the um, of the veterinary chain in America, he's worked out that the best way to engage his employees is actually on Instagram. You know, obviously, they will have internal memos and emails and things like that, but people don't always read them. But he finds it's the best way to engage them because they they all follow him. You know, so not everyone will be on Instagram. So, you know, they will obviously have other, other, like I said, emails and, and, and internal memos and things, but a lot of them will be. So he will, but he'll engage with them in a much more engaged and an engaging way, <laughs> if you know <laughs> what I mean, on, on, you know, on, on something like Instagram. And Jack Salesmodel uh, with American Family Insurance, he uses Twitter a lot, but obviously not everyone uses Twitter. So he also uses LinkedIn. Uh, and so, you know, he, he, he mixes and matches. But I think, you can engage with your internal workforce on social. It's obviously, it's a bit confusing sometimes because if you're talking externally, you have a certain message. If you're talking internally, it's a slightly different message. So it's sometimes you kind of have to get, um, sorry, there's obviously somebody at the door. So the <laughs> dog is barking. Um, you, you kind of have to, you might actually be sending out two types of messages in, in, in your social. You might be kind of doing, some of it is aimed at, the external audience, some is aimed internally. And it might seem a little bit kind of uh, uh, confusing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be because I think what you're generally what you're doing is you're talking about the organization, about the, the good work that you're doing. And sometimes that's to reassure and encourage employees. And sometimes that's to reassure and encourage potential buyers. So the, the message is not going to be that different, um, but it's finding where your employees are, what, what network they're using. If, you're a multinational, it'll be different, lots of different ones. So you probably want to be on several touch points. You want to be on LinkedIn, definitely. You might want to be on, on Twitter or even Instagram. I mean, I remember a few years ago talking about CEOs on, on Twitter and people on, on, on Instagram and people were saying, you know, <laughs> you know, that's never going to catch on. And now loads of them are doing it. So it's, you know, who knows what's next? <laughs> yeah, give it two or three years, well, everyone, all the CEOs will be on TikTok doing their little dances from their office, I'd imagine. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know there are a few. There are a few. <laughs> Seen any good ones yet? Or um, There's uh, some not very good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things that sometimes people feel that they have to like hmm. be done with the kids and all that kind of thing. And actually, that doesn't really work. I think what you need to do is use it in a, use it in a, in, in a way that's... Um, 
obviously you've got a very short clip on, on TikTok, but just do it, in, it be engaging, but you don't have to do a dance. You can just be engaging and just talk and like have one key message to, to, to you know, to get across and do that really well and really succinctly and really sharply. Yeah. Messages that's appropriate to the people you're trying to, to speak to. Yeah. Cause each platform is slightly different. They have slightly different audiences. People use them in different ways. So this again is one of the problems with you know CEOs think you know I can't do I can't do Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and 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 you know this and this and this you know so yeah I think you have to choose one start there get comfortable with it then maybe start on another one and that should be based on where your customers or your employees are whatever you want to do and start with that so if you're a CEO who's new to social media and all your employees are on Instagram that might be scary you know it's like jumping straight into like a visual media but you know it, why not get the training get the help internally or externally and you can do it absolutely and so the vast majority of our listeners are marketing managers marketing execs if they if you're going to recommend resources to them to share with their ceos or if they just want to learn a little bit more about the work you're doing uh, do you have any recommended books or things like that yeah i mean there's quite a few books but i mean the one I think I would recommend. I mean, I'm not talking about my book, but but um, there's somebody called Michelle Carville, C A uh, Michelle and C A R V I L, and her book. Uh, she's got a book out called Get Social, and that came out a couple of years ago. So it's still pretty relevant. The key message is relevant, and I mean, I know Michelle well, so it's not because I know her, but because uh, I've got to know what she's been doing, and she is uh, a, a real expert in social media for leaders. You know, we're kind of she's she a competitor. I don't really know, but but she's you know. So whereas my book is more of a why to guide, her is more much more of a kind of how to guide, and it's really practical. It's really useful. It's got loads of advice. So for a marketing director, perhaps who wants to, or a marketing manager, have a look at that. They'll have a lot of ammunition there that they can then perhaps go and show to their CEO or to to somebody on the board who they think might be good at social. They might be able to highlight a few bits and that sort of thing. Um, I would also recommend, I, I mentioned earlier, something like the um, the Brunswick Connected Leadership Report. That's really, really good. And it's got it's got lots of graphs and charts and data. It's all based on data. So, you know, again, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of very hard to argue with that. Um, there's lots of social media experts who I could mention, but um, one thing people could do if they wanted to is go to my, I've got two Twitter accounts, so this is going to force someone to go on Twitter. <laughs> so I've got my personal account, but I've also got one called The Social C-Suite, at The Social C-Suite. And on that Twitter account, I've got loads of Twitter lists, and I've got one which is social media experts. So these are people who are kind of experts on social media for leaders. But I've also got like one that's called Social CEO. So they can go in there and they can actually see CEOs who are using Twitter. So again, you know, that could be a useful resource. I've also got, I've got like CMOs on Twitter, sales directors on Twitter. Um, I've got kind of lists for like almost every kind of leadership role. And I've also got lists for uh, kind of some industries as well. So there's loads of resources that people perhaps go and look at, have a look at some of the lists. They might be able to pick up some examples of best practice from those lists that they could then show to, you know, to their CEOs as well. So, um, but yeah, I recommend Michelle's book and I recommend the Connected Leadership Report from Brunswick, the Brunswick Group. Yeah. And those are the two kind of like reading kind of assets that I would recommend. Yeah. If anyone's interested in them, we will have uh, we'll have links to both Michelle and Damien's book in the podcast notes. Uh, I can highly recommend Damien's book, finished it a couple of weeks ago. So it's definitely worth the read. And it's out in paperback now, Damien, you were saying earlier. Yes, it is. It came out in paperback in March. So I rewrote 
the introduction and conclusion to try and bring it up to date as much as possible with the whole COVID thing. But the surprising thing is that the message hasn't really changed. I think what COVID did is to just reinforce the message that we all need to be a lot more active and, and use these digital tools. I know things are opening up now and people are going back to work, but there will still be a lot of remote working. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a great kind of impetus to encourage people to actually get social, as Michelle says in her book. Yeah, I think the remote or at least definitely the hybrid, hybrid way of working is definitely here to stay, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Final question, Damien, where's the space going two years from now? Uh, are we going to see all CEOs on social media? Is that the dream? <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very dangerous question. I think I wrote, oh God, was it five years ago? I said, you know, this is the year of the social CEO. And of course it wasn't. But I think COVID, as I said, has kind of accelerated things a bit. I've seen a lot more talk and a lot more articles and a lot more people talking about social leadership. It's become much more of a thing. As new platforms come along as well, I think that might change things. So some of you might have heard of, um, it's like the chat room social media where you kind of, you actually have joined live conversations. Um, Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that I thought was going to really catch on, but it's kind of, it's, it's died down a bit now. But I, I think leaders are... As new generations come through and as le as sort of business schools are going to be teaching digital and social media a lot more, I think it will become more the norm. But I think there is still going to be that sort of lack of understanding about the power of social, which is a shame because I think it's 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 really under it's it's under it's underestimated how useful and powerful it can be for leaders. So, but I think okay, five years time, I think yeah, I think they will be a lot more using it. Um, because it's matured so much um, now. And uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's only going one way, basically. I think those who aren't using it will be will, will become the minority, mm. especially when employees and customers expect to see leaders on social. You know, they, they, you know if they're not doing it, then they are, they're not being good leaders, really. I know it's all about it, it's it's new and it's scary, but that's being a leader. You have to you know deal with new scary things all the time. So social media is actually a lot less scary than people think. Absolutely agree with all that. Um, Damien, it's been it's been great chatting to you for the last forty minutes or so. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, yeah we'll keep watching this space with interest. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Danny. And it's uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And um, I hope that uh, um, you know people who are listening will will get a few snippets of, of useful information. And um, you know, if you look me up on social, if you want to ask me some questions, Damien Corbett, Damien with an A, Corbett with one T. It's very easy to find me. So yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned before, all links to everything that's been mentioned in this episode will be in the podcast notes, so you can check out what Damien's been up to uh, and connect with him there. Damien, been a pleasure. Thanks very much for your time been a pleasure thank you a huge thanks to damien for sharing his time and expertise with us all today if you've enjoyed listening then please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider or maybe share this episode on social media or with a colleague that you think will enjoy it maybe even with your ceo if you would like to learn more information about how to run a scientific podcast, then visit azonetwork.com forward slash podcasts. I'll be back next Monday with another great guest for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thank you for listening. Thank you.